all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Star Wars world? How's everyone doing today? I hope all is well. Nothing new on my side of the galaxy. You know, work, work, and more work. That's just life. But we got some good news. There are only two more chapters left in this amazing book. So that means there's only this chapter and one more before we get to the big giveaway, which is a trip for four to Walt Disney World in Florida to see Galaxy's Edge in person. If you haven't listened to the mid-season roll episode, go and do it as soon as you get finished with this episode. In that episode, we will tell you what you have to do to get in on that giveaway. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we will be giving away on the season finale. We have some Ultra Saber gift cards, t-shirts, Baby Yoda stuff, and a whole bunch of other gifts. So make sure that you don't miss out. That episode will air in two weeks on August 31st. Okay, let's get to some news that's floating around the Star Wars universe. And this is the best news that I've heard in a long time. Star Wars is getting an all-new holiday special, and it will be aired on Disney+. Nearly 42 years since the first ever Star Wars holiday special debuted in 1978. I was only one years old then, so I didn't get to see this one until I was a little bit older. But now Lucasfilms has announced that the new holiday special is set to air on Disney+. The release date is set for Tuesday, November 17th, which is the same day that the first episode aired on CBS so many years ago. But this time, the Star Wars characters will be in their Lego form as they take on Christmas. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special is expected to be set in the events after the rise of Skywalker. Ray, Finn, Poe, Rose, and Chewbacca gather to celebrate Life Day, which is a Star Wars holiday that was first introduced in that 1978 TV special. Ray and BB-8 head off on a quest to gain deeper knowledge of the Force, but their visit to a mystical Jedi temple sends them through time and space. Ray will talk to Luke, Vader, Obi-Wan, and Yoda, and other characters in some of Star Wars' most loved moments. But the real journey starts when they must find their word back, so they can spend the life day feast with their friends on Chewbacca's home world of Kashyyyk. From the description of the show, it sounds like it will be good. But like everything else that has to do with Star Wars, we'll have to wait and see. November 17th is still quite a ways out. But it's nice to see that Disney hasn't forgotten about the holidays. So what else did I want to talk about? Um... Oh, we are still trying to figure out what we will do for the next book that we cover. If you have a book idea that you want us to cover, shoot us an email at sway.audio at gmail.com. What I think we will do is whatever book is most requested, that will be the book that we cover in the next season. We will announce it on the season finale, so you'll have till August 28th to put in your ideas. I think that's a fair way to pick, don't you? I know whatever book is chosen, it will be a great addition to the show and give me a chance to hear the book again, unless it is a book that I haven't read or listened to yet, and that's even better. But I think this is a perfect time to cover the quote for this week. And it comes to us from George Lemire. He said, you have to get up every morning with determination if you want to go to sleep with satisfaction. Somebody once told me that happiness was a choice. You can either choose to be happy or you can choose to be unhappy. Can't no one control the way you feel. And I think this plays to this quote very well. If you get up determined to succeed in your day, there's nothing that anyone can do to stop you. Just like can no one steal your happiness. It belongs to you and you are the person that are in control of it. Happiness is an emotion. Determination is also an emotion. These are the one things that we have complete control of, and that is proven by science. We allow things to change our emotions. So if you choose to be determined and you don't allow anything to change that, you will remain determined. That is the law of emotion. Can't nobody change the way that you feel. Okay, okay, enough with all that. Let's get to chapter 29 so we can find out what happens to Revan and how the Emperor rewards Skirt. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The ritual is about to begin. The emperor intoned. Scourge nodded, though even if he had wanted to refuse, it was far too late now. He was standing in the center of a cylindrical metal platform, roughly two meters across. Dozens of wires and IV tubes had been hooked to his body. The wires were connected to several generators arranged in a circle around the platform. The IV tubes ran to clear vats filled with a strange green bubbling liquid. They were still inside the citadel, but this private chamber was much smaller than the throne room. It was unfurnished, and apart from the Emperor, Scourge, and the infernal machinery he was hooked up to, completely empty. In the wake of Revan's defeat, the Emperor hadn't made him a member of the Dark Council after all. Instead, he had created a new position for Scourge. The Emperor's Wrath. The Emperor had believed his explanation about Revan. As a reward, Scourge was to become his personal enforcer and executioner taking his orders directly from the Emperor and answering to no one but him. That wasn't the full extent of his reward, however. For his role in exposing Zedric, Snyrus, and Revan, the Emperor had promised to grant Scourge the gift of eternal life. He would forever serve at the Emperor's side, an honor far greater than that even of being selected for the Dark Council. Scourge had eagerly accepted, knowing his new position would give him both time and opportunity to find another way to stop the Emperor before his madness and hunger consumed the galaxy. Open yourself to the dark side, the Emperor said, and Scourge felt the air around him begin to swirl with power. Betraying his allies had not altered the inevitable outcome. The Emperor would have won regardless. At least this way, Scourge was still alive to carry on their cause. Revan was still alive, too, but he was as good as dead to Scourge. The Emperor was holding him prisoner in a secret facility, and Scourge knew he could never risk trying to find its location. He couldn't do anything that might suggest an ongoing connection between him and Revan. Doing so would expose the truth to the Emperor, making his sacrifice of the Jedi pointless. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Let the spark of eternal life ignite within you. Scourge felt a sharp burst of heat in his chest. He gritted his teeth in pain as the heat grew more intense. He felt no guilt or remorse over what he had done. He knew the Jedi would never have chosen this path, of course. They would have felt the price of betrayal was too high. Scourge knew they were wrong. There was no sense in throwing his life away with theirs. Betrayal was the cost of stopping the Emperor, and he alone had been willing to pay it. Revan had been right about one thing, however. The attack had made the Emperor step back from his plans to invade the Republic. Instead of looking beyond the borders of the Sith Empire, he had turned his attention inward, 
focusing on restoring stability and control over Drummond Koss and the other worlds he ruled. The Dark Council would have to be rebuilt. It was inevitable there would be infighting and high turnover in the first few years as the new members vied with one another to curry favor with the Emperor. And he, in turn, would keep a close eye on the actions of the Council until the plots and schemes returned to a more normal and expected level. It would be several decades, maybe longer, before the Emperor revisited the idea of invading the Republic. In that time, much could happen. Revan had spoken of another champion who would rise. Scourge had seen that champion in his final vision. Blessed with eternal life, Scourge would serve faithfully at the Emperor's side, biding his time as he waited for that champion to emerge from the mists of time. While serving, he would study the Emperor. He would learn everything about him. He would come to understand his strengths and weaknesses, so that when the time came, he could help Revan's prophesied champion destroy the Emperor once and for all. Feel your mortality as it is stripped away. Scourge screamed as invisible claws tore at his insides, seemingly shredding his vital organs. The heat in his chest had spread to the rest of his body. It felt as if his blood were made of fire. The agony became unbearable, and he shrieked and collapsed to the floor. The ritual cannot be undone, the Emperor said, as Scourge writhed and wept at his feet. Through his torment, Scourge realized with dawning horror what the Emperor was saying. The ritual was over, but the searing heat and the rending of his insides continued unabated. Focusing his will, he managed to still the convulsions racking his body. He forced himself to his knees, though every movement seemed to amplify the pain. Trembling, he rose to his feet and addressed the Emperor. How long will this anguish last? He asked, his jaw clenched. As time passes, you will learn to accept and endure your suffering. Your mind and body will find ways to deal with the pain. After many months, you will become accustomed enough to it to function in your role as the Emperor's wrath. Eventually, you will simply become numb, unable to feel anything at all. Scourge asked, his voice something between a sob and a moan. Everything has a cost. This is the price of immortality. This chapter starts off with Scourge being rewarded for his service to the Emperor. Instead of the Emperor giving Scourge a seat on the Dark Castle, he created a whole new position for Scourge, the Emperor's Wrath. He will be the Emperor's personal enforcer. Scourge will answer to no one but the Emperor. Plus, one of the perks of the position was immortality. Scourge will live forever serving at the Emperor's side, unless someone kills him. But he can never die from like old age or sickness or anything like that. Scourge would have forever to find a way to stop the Emperor. His plan had not changed just because he had betrayed the Jedi. He knew that they would have lost anyway, but this way he could continue on with their mission, a sacrifice that he would have to bear alone. He knew he could never ask what had happened to Revan. It might show the Emperor that he was lying about the whole thing. I hope Scourge knows that if Revan ever escapes, he's going to kill him. That would be something that I would like to see. But before we could ever see that, Scourge must go through the ritual to get his immortality. 
The emperor has him in a room that had a bunch of machines, canisters, and tubes filled with a green liquid. Other than that, it was just him and the emperor. Scourge is in the middle of the room and the tubes are hooked up to him. The emperor tells him to open himself up to the dark side of the force. Then he tells him to allow the spark of immortality to ignite in him. Okay, how does Scourge, someone that is not immortal, know what the spark of immortality feels like? He might think that it is a spark of immortality and it could be the spark of diarrhea. Then he'll just be pooping on himself all the time. If I was Scourge, I would have a few more questions before we got to this part. But he does as he's told. Then he feels a burning sensation throughout his body, followed by a severe pain as the heat gets worse. During his transition, he thought to the sacrifice that he had made of the Jedi. He knew he had made the right choice. He also realized that Reverend was right about one thing. The Emperor did step back from his plan to invade the Republic. He was now more concerned with the Empire and its stability. Who knew how long it would be until the Emperor revisited the idea of attacking the Republic? But it would give Scourge the time to learn everything he could about the Emperor. So when the champion of his vision finally showed up, Scourge would be ready to strike at his side to rid the galaxy of the Emperor once and for all. As the ritual continued, the pain got worse. Scourge screamed and asked the Emperor how long the pain would last. The Emperor tells him it would last forever and he would become numb to it. Scourge asks why would he do that to him? The Emperor tells him there's a price to pay for everything. The Emperor's just a jerk. Like, why wouldn't he tell him that before he got started with the ritual? That's just messed up. But that's where we're at. Let's finish the chapter and see what else happens. Revan's cell was as much laboratory as prison. Trapped in a suspended cage of shimmering power, he hovered somewhere between life and death. His paralyzed body was in some kind of stasis, preserved and protected, so that even time itself could not touch him. But his consciousness was fully aware. Mitra could sense his suffering. When she had died, she had not become one with the Force. Loyal to the end, her spirit had remained with Revan, an invisible presence hovering just outside his cell. She couldn't speak with him. Whatever arcane Sith sorcery the Emperor had used to bind Revan in his cell made that impossible. She doubted Revan was even aware she was there. Yet even though she couldn't communicate with him, she was able to offer aid and support. Her power trickling through the energy barrier that surrounded him. A lifeline he could cling to in the dark ocean of his imprisonment. As the Emperor fed off him, Mitra was allowing Revan to feed off her. Her sustenance strengthened his resolve whenever he grew weak, refreshing and restoring him so he could continue his never-ending mental war. Because of her, Revan was able to do more than just fight to keep the Emperor at bay. Okay, here comes clue number five. I am all the Sith. And I... I'm all the Jedi. Revan could feel the Emperor feeding on him, drawing on his power to sate his endless hunger. Though the two were physically separated by a dozen parsecs, there was still an unbreakable mental link, fashioned by the Emperor and sustained by the infernal machines powering the cell. Yet the Emperor wanted more than to leech off his fallen adversary's power to sustain his own twisted existence. Revan could feel the enemy inside his head, he could sense the unmistakable darkness of the Emperor sifting through his thoughts and memories, seeking, probing, digging for answers. He wanted information on the Republic and the Jedi. How strong were they? Were they vulnerable? How much did they know about the Sith and the Emperor himself? He wanted information on Revan. What had happened during his own invasion of the Republic? Why had it failed? How had he freed himself from the Emperor's control? The answers were all there, 
But Revan would not surrender them easily. Though he was physically helpless, mentally he was strong enough to wage war against the Emperor, guarding and protecting his secrets for however long it might take. And Revan knew something the Emperor did not. The connection between them went both ways. There were brief moments, times when the Emperor was intently focused on something else, when he could subvert their relationship by planting seeds in the Emperor's thoughts. He had to be careful, lest his enemy discover what he was doing, but he was able to push and nudge the Emperor's own thoughts and beliefs, subtly manipulating them in ways that could have profound effects. Revan played on the Emperor's caution and patience, constantly pushing them to the forefront of his enemy's mind. He augmented his irrational fear of death. At every opportunity, he reinforced the idea that invading the Republic was reckless and dangerous. It was impossible to know what would have happened if Scourge had not betrayed them in the throne room. They might have lost anyway, but they also might have defeated the Emperor, forever freeing the galaxy from the threat of annihilation at the hands of a madman. There was no way to be sure, and no point in dwelling on the past. Revan was certain of one thing, though. For however many centuries his body survived in stasis, he would fight to stop the Emperor from invading the Republic. He clung to this certainty. It gave him hope. He knew there was no chance of escape from his prison. He knew it was inevitable that one day the Emperor would win their endless battle of wills. But if he managed to delay him for fifty years, Bastila might never have to experience the horrors of another galactic war. A hundred, and his son could live his whole life in an era of peace, never knowing the fear of facing utter annihilation. Whenever his thoughts turned to his wife and son, he tried to reach out to them through the Force, offering comfort and strength from the other side of the galaxy. He didn't know if they ever felt him, but he liked to imagine that they did. Even if they couldn't, just thinking of them gave him strength. Revan was fighting for the future of his wife and child, and it was a fight he did not intend to lose. Okay, the second part of this chapter starts by describing Revan's cell. If you could call it a cell at all. The way it is described is more like a laboratory. There were machines all around Revan and he is trapped in a suspended cage of sparkling energy. He was not dead, but he didn't quite feel alive either. He thought that he might be in some kind of suspended animation. So he could be preserved and protected, kept alive for who know how long, maybe forever. That would be the worst. Your mind is working, your body can't move, and you're just stuck in one place. You have no concept of time or what is going on in the universe around you. Now that's as scary as it gets in my opinion. But the reason that the Emperor kept him this way is something that Revan felt every day. The Emperor was feeding off of the force that resided in Revan, using him as a battery to sustain his ever-growing hunger. Plus, the Emperor was probing his mind for information about the Republic. What the Republic knew about the Sith and the Emperor. Were they planning to attack them? How strong were the Jedi? What happened when Revan and Malak attacked the Republic? How did they free themselves from the Emperor's control? All these different things. The ongoing feeding of the Force and the connection of their minds was very hard on Revan. Even though Revan knew that the Emperor was far away, he knew that the machines and the Force kept the Emperor and him linked together. But through it all, Revan had some help dealing with it. Mitra is with him. No, her body is not in the cell with him. That would just be disgusting. Your dead friend just floating there with you? Ugh, that would be gross. No, Mitra did not go into the force like most Jedi do when they die. She hovered just outside of the cell, giving him strength. 
she couldn't speak with him like Yoda and Obi-Wan spoke with Luke. Whatever spell that the Emperor had put on Revan's cell kept her from communicating with him. But she was able to give him strength when his mind felt like it was going to crack. The constant attack on his mind from the Emperor trying to get the information was almost unbearable. But Revan knew something that the Emperor was unaware of. The connection of their mind went both ways. Revan had the ability to see in the Emperor's mind. He was able to plant thoughts of doubt. He could also pull the thoughts of death to the front of his mind, knowing that that was the Emperor's greatest fear. He utilized this secret to his advantage. This kept the Emperor from planning an attack on the Republic. Revan knew that he had to be cautious in his attack, making sure the Emperor would never find out what he was doing. He would sometimes reach out with the Force and try to contact Basil and his son, not knowing if it ever reached him, but he never stops trying. It would give him hope and strengthen his resolve. He might not be able to fight with his body, but he would fight with his mind as long as he could. And that is where the chapter finishes. You will have to tune in next week to find out how this amazing book comes to an end. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.